Today we're continuing our mailbag segment with some more real life scenarios to talk through. We're gonna talk about making an agent change when it is and isn't necessary, growing a practice and hiring more doctors when you're in the ENS market, and dealing with a six figure tail bill. Stay tuned. Welcome to Malpractice Insights, the show dedicated to helping healthcare professionals understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. My name is Jennifer Wiggins, CEO of Aegis Malpractice Solutions, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. All right, let's jump in. Our first question in the mailbag today says, hi, Jennifer, I am a dermatologist in Florida, and I have an opportunity to contract and do some virtual work for another practice in Texas. My current agent told me I couldn't do this, but after listening to several of your episodes, this request doesn't seem too out of the ordinary. Can I just start working with you as my agent? And then if it's true that my current insurance really won't cover this, can you help me shop around? So this is a doctor that I talked to just the other day. It was actually a doctor that we had tried to work with a year prior, um, but for a variety of reasons, time constraints, I actually suggested that he go ahead and bind through another agent just because it was in his best interest to do that at that time. So I had already kind of talked to this doctor before. He knew a little bit about our experience and our expertise. So when he called me back, I remembered him. But what was interesting was he told me this story about doing um, current work and then looking to do some virtual work. And he had said, that doesn't sound right. And I agreed with him. I said, you know, adding consulting work, virtual dermatology work is not out of the ordinary. So we absolutely should look to see if that's something we can get added to your current policy. But here's the problem. So when you have an agent representing your business with a certain carrier, only that agent is allowed to engage with that company on your behalf. So I am not allowed to go to this doctor's company and ask the question of whether or not he's allowed to do this virtual care work. In order for me to do that on his behalf, he has to actually appoint me as his agent of record. And I think we've talked about this in a few episodes before, but basically that's a process. It's like a 10-day process where he has to sign a, a letter, send it to the carrier. The carrier gives the other agent 10 days to get a rescinding notice. And then if they don't, after the 10-day mark, the new agent gets to take over. So before we went through all of that rigmarole, I told him, I said, let's just pause because if for some reason your current carrier is not able to do this virtual work for you, then there's no sense in me taking over as your agent because we're going to probably need to shop you anyways. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So we found out through a third party channel, I was able to kind of ask a general question of the carrier not on behalf of this specific doctor. And I found out that it was true that they were not doing any virtual work um, currently according to their underwriting guidelines. So the current agent was correct. The current carrier could not accommodate this doctor's request. So I basically told him there's no reason to do an agent change because if you wanna stay with this same carrier, they're not gonna be able to do this for you. So we decided to not pursue that angle. And instead, we're just gonna shop it with the rest of the market and see if there's another carrier that can pick up the rest of the work for him. 
So I wanted to talk about this example because I think it's noteworthy that it's not the right answer, I think, every single time to jump into an agent change because there's no sense sometimes in doing that if the current policy isn't really the right fit. So, I mean, it would be a waste of time and quite frankly, it would really frustrate the company if they reappointed me as the new agent and then I just took the business somewhere else. So sometimes it's good to just pump the brakes and talk about the kind of the issue big picture to see if it really makes sense to do an agent change if the current policy isn't really the right solution. So I just thought that one was worth talking about today. So that was a good question that came in. All right, our second question in the mailbag today says, hello, about a year ago, I had a malpractice claim settle for over $1 million and my malpractice insurance is being non-renewed. I need help finding new insurance, but the problem is I'm planning on expanding my practice and I'd like to hire a few additional doctors. I realize I'll have to suffer through the high risk insurance for a while, but I don't want them to have to be on the same type of coverage. Is it possible for me to have something on my own that doesn't affect them? So this was another interesting issue that came in. So this was a radiologist who had an unfortunate incident with a fairly large claim payout. And so we did have to look for malpractice insurance for him in the non-standard market. And I think we've talked about before. So the non-standard market is basically, you know, you have the admitted market, which are the main A-rated good carriers, where you're going to get consent to settle, really good coverage options, excellent defense, and the premiums are very reasonable. And then you have the secondary insurance market, which is where you go if you can't get access to the primary market. And usually that's for hard to place business. So that would be doctors who have had claim problems, doctors who have had drug or alcohol issues, or they've had their license suspended, or any number of other issues that would make them uninsurable in that primary first tier level. So um, we were able to find a solution for this doctor with a non-standard insurance carrier, but the problem that he brought up, which is a very valid one, is basically that as he grows his practice, he doesn't want all of the rest of the doctors that he's recruiting to have to go with this same non-standard carrier. So that was very nice of him. And the answer to that question is you don't have to do it that way. So when you have one doctor in a group that has had you know, a bad claim experience or something that would make them higher risk, that doesn't necessarily mean that the entire practice needs to be rated as a high risk practice. So you can keep that one doctor isolated with a non-standard carrier, and you can still write the rest of the group in the primary insurance market. And so that's what we were able to do with him in this instance. So he is gonna have to stay in ENS for probably three to five years, but the rest of the doctors, we were able to find a very reasonably priced policy to be able to get them occurrence coverage, consent to settle, exactly what they were looking for at a much more affordable price. So it's a good example of, you know, instances where you might have one unfortunate um, situation in a practice that doesn't necessarily mean that the whole practice is doomed to the non-standard market. So kind of an interesting one to talk about as well. All right, moving on to our third question in the mailbag today and it says i am an OBGYN in chicago illinois and i just left my current group and i'm going to be starting with a new practice in michigan next month my new employer requires that i buy tail insurance before starting with them but i just got my tail bill and wow is it expensive 
Do I have any options at all for this? Or am I really looking at a six-figure tail purchase? All right, so this is an unfortunate situation and it is really true. So Cook County, Illinois is probably one of the most expensive jurisdictions in the country and it's one of the highest premium areas anywhere in the world. So if you're working in Cook County yourself, you probably already know this, not to mention the fact that this doctor is an OBGYN, which is also one of the highest rated specialties. So this poor woman is already paying probably a very, very expensive premium for her OBGYN coverage in Cook County, Illinois. And as you know, tail insurance is basically two times the mature premium. So she's looking at literally a six-figure tail purchase. Now, luckily, tail is only has to be purchased one time. And once you purchase it, it does cover you for all of your prior acts all the way back to your retroactive date. So it's only a one-time purchase. But man, a six-figure tail is really, really salty. So she contacted us to see if she could shop around and find some other options. And the answer to her is there are options, but unfortunately, not a lot. So because this is an area that a lot of carriers just shy away from, you're not going to get the normal amount of responses for a standalone tail that you would find in another part of the country or with another specialty. So where you would, you know, you could potentially have four to five different tail quotes. For her, we were only able to find like one or two. And the prices were not significantly cheaper than what she currently had with her existing carrier, but they were a tiny bit lower. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to bring this up because tail is super expensive and I just think it's something you need to be aware of before you jump into a practice arrangement. So if you are practicing in a part of the country where your premiums are just a little bit higher, you need to know really clearly upfront generally how much is this tail going to cost and then who's going to be buying it whether it's you or it's the practice and for her one of the things that i mentioned to her is since she is leaving and joining a new practice i highly encouraged her to see if the new group would be willing to offset any of the cost of this tail because they're the ones that are requiring her to buy it before she joins them so it's kind of a huge barrier that she has to overcome before she can start practicing with them and i think she is going to work something out where they're going to offset through a bonus or or some other sort of um, structure to be able to offset that cost a little bit. So you can find standalone tail options. The options will be much more limited if you're in a more expensive jurisdiction like Chicago, um, but you still should shop around, see what the options look like, and then talk to an agent to find the right fit. If you have any questions on these topics or you want to make sure that you're covered appropriately, Click the link in the description box below where you can connect with us via phone, email, or chat today. And if you're listening, please visit us online at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. And don't forget that our mailbag link is now live on our website. So if you have a question that you'd like me to answer here on the podcast, check out the link below where you can drop us a line and ask your question. Or schedule a quick 10-minute phone call for a personal consultation to discuss your unique insurance needs. This is Jennifer Wiggins. Thanks for joining us.